So for our message for today, beloved, don't be surprised. We, we've got an excellent passage. And as I was looking through the passage for today, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, and then also chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, I thought, this is fantastic, but it will take me a couple hours to work our way through it. So for your sake, we're going to look at verses 12 and 13. Verses 12 and 13, you can look at if you have a bulletin on you. Otherwise, it says this. Beloved, do not be surprised, our message for today, at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Don't be surprised. And so for that, when I think of not being surprised, what I want to uh, um, dwell on is my 40th birthday party. So for my 40th birthday party, um, I turned 40 on, I think it was on a Sunday, and I was in a former congregation, and, and over at that congregation, we, uh, they know that, my, that pink is not my favorite color, and so everyone wore pink that day, and then they also filled my office with pink balloons. And so I thought, well, okay, they had their fun, celebrate my 40th, great, all over. That evening I was teaching confirmation at the church, and, and as I was there, my wife came over, and, and she and the youth group that was also meeting, they kidnapped me, and they brought me around to different places, and, and they brought me to my house. And so we're walking into the front door, and I'm blindfolded, and I walk in, I think, why is it so hot in my house? Well, when they took the blindfold off, it was revealed that the congregation, not the whole congregation, but a large part of it, was filling our house for my 40th birthday. Surprise! <laughs> my wife and I went over to the Grand Canyon. We were going to go down, hike down into the Grand Canyon. I am scared of heights. I don't even like to get past the sidewalk that's probably 15 or 20 feet from the edge. I don't like to move beyond that towards the edge because it's so far down, and people do fall to their deaths at the Grand Canyon. So I don't like the idea. And so when Pat brought up the idea of going and hiking down the Grand Canyon, I was pretty scared about doing it. But then, surprise, it's much wider than I thought. A good surprise. And it made it very easy for me then to go down and go, I mean, it was easy to go down. Coming back up again, my wife had to wait a lot for me to get the strength to make it that last little part, okay? Another surprise. My brother and I were going up to the top of the granary at our farm at the house. And as we were going up, I don't know how tall it is, maybe 60 or 80 feet, something like that. And, and so we're going up, and, and it's the top. It's the top of the granary. So there are bins. There are containers basically for all the grain to go into before it's ground up and given to the pigs and so i went to the top looking for a floor but you know what's at the top of a granary that <laughs> there's no floor there okay there's these two by fours or whatever that you walk on that form the, the bins but there's no floor so as soon as i got up there i looked over my brother's right behind me my hands just instantly cling to that top rung of the ladder, and I am frozen to the top, paralyzed. And my brother climbs over me to get up there, and I remove my hands little bit by little bit and climb all the way down to the bottom. Could you hit the next slide? Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Now, this is so interesting because if you go to the next slide, 
We don't want to be like the Gentiles who were surprised. Could you do the next one? I know that's awful small, so I'll read it for you. It says this. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So they say, come, join with us. It's going to be great. Have a good time. And they're surprised when we don't. Now, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? I've been taking some time this past week to just do some meditating on 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Reading that section every day, I encourage you to look at it. As you look at verse 5, Paul writes to those in Thessalonica, and he, or Thessalonica, and he says this, Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. The gospel, this good news that we celebrate, Jesus Christ is risen. Hallelujah! Good news, and it comes with power to change us. Isn't that what happens when you come this morning to receive the sacrament? You desire to come to have your sins forgiven so that you might no longer live that same old life, right? That's our goal. That's our longing. That's what God, the Holy Spirit's working within us. So they're surprised we don't join them in those things that they do because we've been changed. But how is it then that that change comes about? Would you hit the next slide? We want to recognize the testing. You see, part of how we're not surprised is we want to recognize, if I had known that the the path was nice and wide, I wouldn't have been scared. I wouldn't have been surprised. If I had known, if my brother had actually told me there was no floor at the top, I wouldn't have been surprised, and I wouldn't have gone in front of him. Okay? No surprises. So we know that we have been set apart for God's purposes. Jesus died and rose again. And in our baptisms, you and I have died with Christ. I think the one who's been baptized most recently here is Renee. You remember that baptism, don't you? And in that baptism, you were made new. You died and were raised again with Jesus. And you've been given a new life now in him. And so we recognize now that those difficulties, those fiery trials that come are for the purpose of testing. Would you do the next slide? 1 Peter 1, verse 6, it says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So we rejoice in the gospel, rejoice in what God has done for us, even though trials are coming. Isn't it difficult? Isn't it more difficult when we go through life just being completely ignorant and unaware? But if we know some hardships are going to come and we, and we do what Pat talked about this morning, we prepare ourselves, it's much easier to endure those. Next slide. Isaiah 48, verse 10. So what's happening here? Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. One more. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction the fiery trials that are coming your way is God's refining work. 
think of how much God loves you, that he would not only save you and bring you into his kingdom, but that he would want to refine you, to sanctify you, to grow you in your holiness. That's his work. And he's doing that through the furnace of affliction. I believe it's in Psalm 119 that where the psalmist says how grateful he is for the affliction that God has brought into his life. That makes no sense to us, does it? We'll come to that in just a moment. Next one. One final. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So when those trials come, when those testings come, will I complain? There was a young man that Pat and I spent time with yesterday. He's less than 40 years old and has leukemia and really, really struggles with the pain. And there was a time where he thought, I can either just basically, like Job's wife said, curse God and die or run to God. What's in his heart is that he ran to God. I wonder in the midst of our hard times, do we let those times show us what's inside so that we can either delight? Remember how we walk with God? Remember the two steps? One is we abide. The other one is we repent, right? Abide and repent. So when those testing times come to humble us, like 1 Peter 5 verse 6 says, when we humble, when we are humbled, then we can say, now wait a second, what's in my heart? Am I delighting in God and abiding well with him? Rejoicing? Or is it time for me to repent, live in God's forgiveness, and keep walking? What is it? Next. So we, we recognize the testing. Would you say those three words with me? We recognize the testing. So in the middle of not being surprised, first, we recognize the testing. Second, we rejoice in the connection. Next slide. Acts 5.40, when the disciples are sharing the faith and the religious leaders don't like it, this is what happens. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Just by a show of hands today, how many of you were beaten this week for your following Jesus? Raise them a little higher. A little higher. I don't, I don't quite see them. So none of us were beaten for it. How many of us even had someone scowl at us for the name of Jesus? Say something bad about us for the name of Jesus? Maybe our fiery trials aren't quite as fiery as those that the disciples were going through. Because you know we're going to have the trials that simply come to us because we live in a broken world. That's our health problems. That's all of our other struggles But these are the fiery trials that come to us because we follow Jesus. Now, you might have lots of fiery trials because you're offensive. That's not what God calls you to be. God doesn't say, be as offensive as you can with people so that you'll be persecuted. That's not the goal. Okay? He wants us to love other people, to serve other people, to carry on the responsibility. What does it say in Romans chapter 12? 
in view of God's mercy, as I'm looking at what God has done for me, for you in Jesus, in view of God's mercy, offer my body as a living sacrifice, not as a pain in the butt. So we don't try and cause offense. We try and love people laying down our lives and letting God work. And what happened? Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. That's such an attitude that we struggle with, isn't it? Because it's so all-consuming in our culture to live simply for me, the individual. In that First Thessalonians part, verses 1 through 5, it mentions the church, and it mentions you again and again and again. And in that part, it keeps talking plural you. And I was so impressed by that because I live an individual I life far too often. It's kind of like the basketball player. His team loses, but he scored 50 that night. Great for him but not really because his team lost. We're the Jesus team. Our church is, we are bound together, and we are bound together with who? Jesus. And so when we walk with him, the next one says what? Next slide. Remember the word that I said to you, Jesus says in John 15, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And so we are connected with him and we rejoice in that connection. How many of us, when God gives us an opportunity, how many of us have failed to make the most of the opportunity? We, we see it and out of fear, we just let it go. And when we see it, we feel a sense of guilt and shame. And how many of us, when we see the opportunity, sometimes by the power of the Holy Spirit, we step up and participate with it. Participate with him and the opportunity God gives us to love and serve someone. Any guilt or shame in that? Any joy in that? Any rejoicing in that? Even when there's a cost? So recognize the testing. Say that with me. Recognize the testing. Rejoice in the connection. Rejoice in the connection. How do we do that? Well, let's go to the next one. Did you recognize how he starts this? Beloved. Take out your name just for a second and think of yourself that way. Those whom Peter is writing to were the beloved, his beloved, the ones he loves. You and I, are God's beloved. We'll get to that in just a moment. As God's beloved, you know what he says to us? These next three slides I want you to see. First one is from Psalm 46, verse 1. Would you read that with me? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and what? Strength. Strength. So when you and I don't have strength, I made phone calls this week and was calling a number of people. And as I made three phone calls in a row and I said, what's, what's going on? What can I pray for you for? All three of them said, I just don't have any energy or strength, Pastor. And when it comes to dealing with the trials of life and the struggles of life, how many of us don't long for and delight in God's strength? 
not our own. The next one, Philippians 4.13. Please say that with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's the one who strengthens. The next one. Right before our reading for today, in verse 11, the verse right before it, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Beloved, you are loved by God. Do you know how he shows that love for you? He gives you the strength to live that holy life, to not be surprised by what is coming, but to view the fiery trials from his perspective. Please go to the next one. This comes, this is a quote. I'm just going to have you look at it while I read it to you. This is a great quote from the book You Can Change by Tim Chester. And it goes like this. Conversion, when we are made God's people. Conversion is all God's work. But we have a responsibility to respond with faith and repentance. But it turns out that faith and repentance are also God's work in us. His gift to us. Next one. God opens blind eyes. God grants repentance. And it gives those passages where that is shown. That's why conversion is entirely an act of God's grace. But at God's initiative and with God's help, we're involved. I've shared with you before how that seminary professor stood in front of me and he said, so do you believe in Jesus or does God believe in Jesus for you? And you know me, I'm a chicken, so I didn't say anything. But of course, God works within us, but we believe, right? We be- we'll say in just a little bit, I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus. So God is the one at work. God gives us what we need to believe, to trust, and to endure the trials. Next slide. It goes on to say, and it's the same with sanctification, where we are made holy. Sanctification is God's work, but we're not passive. We respond with faith and repentance. And again, it turns out that faith and repentance... Yes, please go. And again, it turns out that faith and repentance are God's work in us. So salvation from start to finish is God's work in which we are active participants through faith and repentance by the grace of God. Next one. We work hard, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, but then say with Paul, it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. And the next one. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So as we think on those I want to just read to you a little story. John Newton, author of the hymn Amazing Grace, watched cancer slowly and painfully kill his wife over a period of many months. In recounting those days, John Newton said, I believe it was about two or three months before her death when I was walking up and down the room offering disjointed prayers from a heart torn with distress with a, that a thought suddenly struck me with unusual force to this effect. The promises of God must be true. Surely the Lord Lord will help me if I am willing to be helped. It occurred to me that we are often led from an undue regard of our feelings to indulge that unprofitable grief which both our duty and our peace require us to resist to the utmost of our power. I instantly said aloud, Lord, I am helpless indeed in myself, but I hope I am willing without reserve that you should help me. 
Am I willing to be helped? Are you? First, I want you to consider the words that God the Father spoke, and I love sharing this with you. I've done it over and over again. What words did God the Father speak about his son at his baptism? This is my This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. You and I have been baptized into Christ. So now when you wake up in the morning, you can say, God, I am your beloved in Christ. Because of what Jesus has done, his death and resurrection, and we are connected to that, because of what Jesus did on that cross, you are his beloved. Are you willing to turn to him moment by moment in the middle of the trials to recognize the testing and to rejoice in the connection? One of the professors at the seminary looked at me or looked at the group and he said, you know, gentlemen, the only sin God doesn't forgive is the sin we don't bring to him. Why wouldn't we bring it? Because we don't believe. Are we willing to bring our sins to him this morning? Are we willing to bring to him all of our concerns, our fiery trials, and let him change the way we think so we might live new and rejoice in him? And when we do live new and rejoice in him, Romans 8, 17 and 18, please put those up. Look at these verses. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, that's who we are, provided we suffer with him, connection with him, and know that we may also be glorified with him. And then this passage. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Whatever you have suffered doesn't compare with what's yet coming for you. There's a a movie out. It's based on a song. Have you seen the movie, I Can Only Imagine? Have you seen the movie? Have you heard the song, I Can Only Imagine? It talks about his father being this monster who's made his life so miserable, and he suffered. And he can only imagine how one day in heaven he'll stand with his father and delight. You can't imagine how good that day will be. Don't be surprised. It's going to be better than you can imagine. Amen?